Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hawk Fanatic is brought to you every uh, episode by Deary Brothers uh, Ford Lincoln. Also, Hawkeye Title and Settlement, Steve Anderson and his crew. GT Car and uh, Super Siding and Remodeling, Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars, 1-800-800-ROSE and Hawkeye Courier. Big Dog Satellite, Internet and Solar, give them a call. Premier Dish Authorized Retailer, 338-6600. Our friends at Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, Premier Automotive, the Oxyoke Inn, and Dr. Lance Forbes and his uh, fine staff at Diamond Dental in Cedar Rapids. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tom Suter and Pat Hardy. Good morning, James. Good morning, Pat. Are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing okay. Getting ready for the weekend. Going to be a kind of a chilly night for football. Then tomorrow it's supposed to warm up again? Yeah, like a little bit. Close to 70. Yeah, then then down in the mid 40s for high on Sunday. I had to turn my heat on this morning before leaving. It was 59 degrees in my house. Yeah, it's uh, tis the season. Well, it got down in the 20s last night, didn't it? uh, Not quite. Not quite in the 20s? Yeah. Because it sure looked like we almost had a deep freeze. Yeah. But hey, it's mid mid October. Yeah. Peak of football season, even though we're still. Even though Iowa still hasn't played. played For a week, but we are going (laughs) to. Be talking a lot of Hawkeye football here in about 10, 15 minutes. I've got it set up to where Jamie's calling in and we're calling Chuck and get him on the two lines and reminisce about one of the most historic games in the history of Iowa football. I I don't want to put words in Jamie's mouth, but it's different for – can we agree it's probably a little different for Michigan because Iowa's not Ohio State. As big as that game was, I wonder, I'm guessing it's probably, it'll be interesting to see if that's the game that Jamie remembers the most about his college experience because he played Michigan or Ohio State four times. Right. You know, my guess is no, and that's no disrespect And to I Iowa. would guess that's right. And, yeah, it's it's a big thing for Iowa fans because how often does I, is Iowa either the number one or the number two team in the nation? And the answer is a, a couple of times in their history. Whereas Michigan's, it's happened more frequently. And yes. as we just reminded ourselves, Tom, that Michigan team went on to go 10-1-1. One, and one. Yeah, that was uh, the uh, obviously they weren't um, a super offensive juggernaut that year. Their defense, their must defense have been was really, unbelievable. Their defense was really good. Yeah, I mean Harbaugh was their quarterback. Jamie Morris, who's going to be mm-hmm. on the show with us, was the starting running back as a sophomore. And those are two of the better players. I mean, Jamie's mm-hmm. still the all-time all-purpose yards leader in the history of Michigan That's football, which speaks volumes. Isn't but that amazing? Iowa had, a, Iowa had a really good team. They had a good defense. Iowa had more yards in that game. Iowa also did have a court, or, uh, touchdown taken away. Scott Helverson was clearly mm-hmm. in. It would have been overruled in the, today's age. But Michigan also could have secured the game if Brad Cochran had just held on to that potential interception. But he didn't. It'll be interesting to see if, what Chuck has to say about that. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we're going to have the all-time... 
a yardage leader at the University of Iowa and the all-time yardage leader at Michigan. All purpose. For I mean, obviously that doesn't include passing yards. Right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, but yeah, two. I mean, Jamie, Jamie ran for over 4,000 yards at Michigan, was almost a four-year starter, which is unheard of, and he was about 5'9", 175, 180 pounds, and I believe, I'll have to ask him, I think he still holds the NFL record for most carries in a game at 45. I believe that's when he was with the Washington Redskins back in, like, 1989, I think. Okay, now, Wiki says he's 5'7". Well, we'll see. He might only, I mean, maybe he is only 5'7", which makes his story even more it, it, incredible. It does. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's, he's, I mean, he's not real tall, but he was really fast, and he was very elusive, and... He ran hard. He didn't run like he was 5'7". He was one of those guys that uh, you wanted on your team, but when you had to play him, not so much. Well, I've had some <laughs> Iowa fans reach out to me and say Jamie was notorious at lunging the ball forward and getting like an extra half foot. Or I'm going to uh, think about asking him that. They're like, hey, well, I, that's it, legit. it worked. They, it worked. He would always somehow have this ability to get like an extra foot or two when he'd get tackled. He'd move the and the, sometimes the refs wouldn't see it. Hey, if... Yeah, whatever it takes. A lot of people do that. Uh, and the other uh, thing that's unique with Jamie is he got hit for the two-yard loss by Larry Station. So we'll see what he remembers. Obviously, there was a blown blocking assignment on that, and that pretty much secured the game. So October 19th, 1985, today's the 16th, so we're not exactly 35 years, but we're pretty close. I mean, I was, years. I was still in college. I was in college at this time. I remember watching the game with my mom and dad. I, went, I remember going home to watch it with them. And I think it was a 2.30 start because by the end it was – they had lights brought in oh, by the yeah. end. And I just – I still remember. I mean, do you remember where – you said you yes. were watching it. Where were you watching We it? were at uh, the channel – playing at the Channel Inn in Nisswa, Minnesota. And we were at the hotel uh, watching the game. So did you pretty much watch from start to finish? Oh, yeah. I did too because it just – it was so intense. Neither team could grab the momentum really and you just – and I just remember saying, man, there's no way. Are they going to lose this game with all the yards there? Because Iowa was racking up a lot yeah. of yards, but they just couldn't score touchdowns. And my brother Steve was watching the game with us, and he couldn't watch uh, Rob Houtland's kick at the end. He had to go outside. <laughs> uh, I've sh- never understood that. My brother's a huge White Sox fan, and the year they won the World Series, what was it, 2002 or something like that? Could, couldn't. Five. I'm sorry. Thanks, Tommy. He couldn't watch any of the games. I'm sometimes like I don't do the whole game, but I'm sometimes if there's a moment that's just too, I'll change the channel and then just pray that what I want happens happens, and then I'll come back and look for the result. <laughs> I, especially with baseball, like a batter up or the Cubs with a pit, that 2016 series, it was nerve wracking. Oh, jeez, well, sure yes. was. It was, and then when Bryant finally when he fielded that ball, I remember saying, "Oh God, just don't over." And then when it finally, I'm like, "Oh my God, they just won the World Series!" I, I, I jumped up. It was like <laughs> it just finally happened. Yeah, but I didn't believe it until. Rizzo finally clutched that ball in his glove, and it yep. was and there. It was and there it was. So, but um, I'm sure you knew a lot of people that were at that game in '85 too, didn't you? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for sure. Um, I actually, what's unique is none of us in here were at that game. Mm-hmm. I assume Tommy wasn't. How old was Tommy in '85? Like ten. Tommy would have been, yeah, twelve. Yeah, ten or twelve. Yeah. Yeah, none of us. I mean, none of us. I'm, I'm sure Captain Steve didn't go to the game, but. Mm-mm. It was. I remember Brent Musburger speaking to the, to the, um, the you know the remember the breakfast they used to do, the high club breakfast. Yeah, I mean, I, I they showed some video of him because he did the he called the game. This could be, um, Brent called the game, and I, and just so much, so many memories come back. Yeah. 
Well, it was uh, it was quite a game. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had two little kids. I didn't have four at the time. I only had two, but they were. You know, one was in diapers, and um, the other one I think was just getting out of them. But they were watching TV in the living room. I was watching it on a black and white TV in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, black. Black and whites in 85 were not that unusual. No, and, no. And, and, you know, they were watching some, you know, goofy kids show, and they, they were quiet enough to keep me from, uh, you know, let me watch the game, and it was it was uh, just incredible. But just the whole week leading up to that, I remember reading about it. And I mean, obviously, I was still in college, so I wasn't part of the Iowa media, but just that's when you knew you're like, man, Hayden Fry, amazing what he's done with Hawkeye football. With Michigan, that wasn't anything unusual for Michigan. No. In 85, they were really? in the peak uh, of Bo Schimbeckler. But yep. from Iowa's perspective, this is like, th- those were the glory years. That was the- they were, and, and actually, I remember the game I remember more than the Iowa-Michigan one was the Iowa-Ohio State game that we lost. In the rain, Keith yep. Byers' shoe falling off. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Iowa didn't play very well. No, they didn't. They didn't play very well. And that's just another example of how Iowa's always had more success against Michigan than Ohio State over the... We, we have. And- Kirk and Hayden both. Of course, I think uh, Fielding Yost had a team that beat us 105 to nothing, but that was in the early years. <laughs> 105 to nothing. I believe oh, it was. Michigan used to just <laughs> Michigan used to just put the hurt on people back in those. We're talking like 1900, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some of those some of those scores were incredible. But no, I just thought this would be fun to look back since we're still a week away from playing, and and it is. Like I said, it's been almost 35 years. Man. Your dad would have loved Hayden, wouldn't you? Oh, my God, yes. He would have adored Hayden. How f- many years Missed did him he... by five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. So your dad passed away in 74. Right. 74. So what do you think he would have liked the most about Hayden, besides the winning? Uh, his sense of humor. Okay. I. Yeah. Hayden was hysterically funny when he wanted to be. Well, when he, yeah. when he, And he could be... Evie when he needed oh, to be Oh, no, too. you bet. Hayden, Hayden had some Evie in him. Hayden, he did. He could be a little bit dickish sometimes. I saw the Hayden Evie a few times, and most of it was stuff that I deserved. I saw, I caught the ra- Hurricane Hayden a few times. Yeah. But, you know, Hayden was always playing the psychological game. That's the other thing we can ask Jamie about, the pink locker rooms. I've had some people reach out, and, I mean, I've always thought that was sort of blown out of proportion, but we'll see if... Well, I mean, it obviously worked to some extent because it's, here we are talking about it 35 years later. Well, we'll ask him. We'll ask him about. Uh, Didn't Schimbeckler have the walls covered? Uh, I think he did. I don't know if it was this game, but at some game it can. He had. His, I think he did. We'll ask Jamie if it was this game. And um, we'll have to ask him to fill up Michigan Stadium. Who would he? What band or act would he hire? That's a good one because that's a little more work. Yeah, that's another forty. That's another what forty thousand people yeah. you have to get. Yeah, no, isn't it like one hundred and two thousand or it's something? It's something like that. But Michigan Stadium's weird. It it kind of is a gradual descent. It, it's, it is. They're not on top of you. It can be that place can be full, and it can also be sort of calm at the same time. If that it's, makes sense, it does because because the the noise kind of goes up. Whereas Ohio State and Penn State, the stadium's more vertical, and they're more on top of you. That's uh-huh. the same with like you've been to Assembly Hall for Indiana basketball. I have been in it, but I've never been there for, for a game. That's what's amazing about Indiana. It reminds me of a big opera hall. It really does. Yeah. And the, the seats are really vertical, so they're even the fans way up higher closer to the court. And I will say the thing that I found the strangest when I was at Assembly Hall was that they had pretty much eradicated all signs of Bobby yeah, Knight, yeah. which I thought was 
completely unfair. I agree. We, we have a, we have a call. Hello. Hello. At that Michigan game where Hotman kicked the winning field goal, we my brother had a friend that graduated from Michigan staying with us. And he was so mad at the end that he just took off and went home and didn't even <laughs> There you go. That's how you celebrate a loss. There you go. Well, yeah. we, have, we have to. Uh, we well, have Carter, to... we're going to call Chuck Long on this number right now. We're going to have Chuck Long and Jamie okay, Morris well, on. Anyway, you guys have a good week. You too, right, Carter. Thanks. Thanks. For the call. thanks. So, Jim, um, I, I'm assuming this is Jamie calling in. Okay. Jamie? Yeah. Hey, this is Pat. How you doing? Pat, how you doing? Go blue, baby. There you go. We will. <laughs> Jamie, I, I appreciate you doing this. We're calling Chuck Long right now. We're going to get you both in on here. And we got Tom Suter and Jim Hunter. And first of all, I want to ask you, how's CJ doing? CJ's doing great. He's laughing and having fun with his mother. And uh, we're just dancing around the house. It's dance time. Well, I want to congratulate you again on being a father. I'm so happy for you guys. And now we're going to look. Jamie, can you believe it's been 35 years? I mean, it's been three days. I, I can't believe that. I, I, when, you, when you sent that text to me, I had to go back and, uh, you know, and think about it and go, wow, 35 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I had to talk to Jumbo Elliott about it yesterday, and he was laughing about it, too. He goes, it has not been 35 years. I'm like, yeah, bro. You know, and, and Jamie, I looked, I had to remind myself, you guys went on, that was your guys' only loss that season. I mean, you guys went on to finish 10-1-1. Yeah. You actually finished yeah. with a better record than Iowa. You had a 3-3 you had a three, three tie against Illinois. What happened in that game? It was, it was one of those weather Chuck games okay. where, you know, both teams, I mean, both teams played hard, but you just couldn't get anything going. It was, you had rain, sleet, snow, you had all okay. kinds of okay. things going on, and um, we couldn't get any traction. They couldn't get any traction. I remember Bo's speech at the end. He told us he loved us. And, you know, that kind of galvanized that team again to, for the, for the, for the, for the, for the rest of the run. I okay. Mean, getting ready for Ohio State and everything like that. Chuck. I mean, we were, we were, we were locked in on that. You gotta remember that 85 season was a, was a, um, was a celebration of Bo because everybody said Bo Schimbeckel had lost it after the 84 year. That's right. You're so, right. I mean, everybody had went down on Bo and was saying maybe maybe the game has passed Bo by. And he was he, he said, he even told, you know, later on when he and I became, you know, friends, he told me he thought he lost it and he went to a few of the camps, the, the coaches' camps, and he never went to coaches' camps. But he went to a few camps and you know, they were talking about, and he goes, is it? And he raised his hand and goes, it, you know, is the game still about blocking, tackling, running, and, <laughs> you know, toughness? And they said, yeah. He goes, I'm the hell out of here. I know what to do. Okay. <laughs> Great story. Hey, we got Chuck Long on now. Chuck, I was actually asking Jamie about um, Michigan went on to finish 10-1-1 that year, and they, they had a 3-3 tie with Illinois. But you guys were the only guys to beat Michigan. That year, and I, I rewatched the game, Chuck, and I'm and it's just. First of all, I want to ask you: Can you believe it's been 35 years? I just asked Jamie the same question. Well, good to be on with everybody, Jamie. Good to be on with you. It's been a long time. You too, Chuck. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. It's, it's hard to believe it was 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know how I don't know how Jamie feels, but when I watch games or clips of myself 
you know, I, I, it's, it's kind of surreal because my body can't do that today. So it, <laughs> it feels like, it feels like, man, is that a different person out there? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a weird feeling to watch it, but it's, it's also a great memory, obviously, for us, uh, the Hawkeye Nation. Um, it was, Jamie, Jamie, you're, you're part of a huge game, but it was my, you know, I played the NFL and coached for 20 years after that. And this it was by far the greatest game I've ever been in as a player or, or coach. So, uh, it was obviously a, a fond memory for us. Now, Tom, you brought up an interesting point on Chuck's the all-time, all-time uh, leading pa- passing, passing yards at Iowa, and, I, and Jamie's the all-time um, all-purpose yardage gainer at Michigan to this day. That's pretty amazing, guys. So we really do have some elite company here, and both of you guys played huge roles in this game. Chuck, I want to ask you first: the week leading up to playing this mission game, how was Hayden any different, or was it business as usual? Business as usual, but the campus was, was different. The campus, you know, all week long, it was just buzzing. And as you recall back then, Pat, you know, they don't, they didn't have all the, you know, social media Mm-mm. and, you know, obviously there was more newspapers out there. And I just remember it seemed like all the national media was in town all week, you know, uh, eat, you know, eating breakfast at the Hamburg, Hamburg and, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> He just could feel the buzz and excitement. You know, Brent Musburger's coming to town, and um, I, I just—it was just a really surreal week. I remember going through, you know, going to classes, and and you just go into the classroom, and everybody's buzzing about it. And um, but as far as Hayden was concerned, it was business as usual. He just tried. It was—you could cut the tension with a knife all week in practice. He just tried to keep do the best job he could, keeping us loose. Uh, I remember him telling, telling jokes all week long, you know, just trying to keep us loose. In fact, he told a, uh, a, a great joke. I can't recall the joke, but he told a great joke right before the game, right before we went back out on the field to, to, to kick off. Uh, he told a joke in the locker room just to loosen us up. We all laughed and kind of loosened us up. We went out and played. So, Jamie, same question for you with Coach Schembecker leading into that game. I and mean, obviously, you guys play Ohio State every year. I mean, that's always the game you guys circle on your calendar. But here you are playing number one Iowa. Do you remember the preparation for that game? Was Bo any different? And how big of a thing did Bo make the pink locker rooms? Because we keep hearing all these, were they a distraction? Did he really cover them up? Can you put truth to that? No, as I tweeted yesterday, yeah, we covered them up. Okay. And <laughs> as far as getting for this game, I mean, like I said, 84 was, that was not a Bo Schimbeckle type of year. It was my freshman year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we go six and six. And, and like I said, they thought Bo, they, I mean, there was, there were people actually out there saying that Bo Schimbeckle lost the step, that he, that he didn't know football. Football has moved on beyond Bo. So in 85, that was, this was the recalling of Bo Schimbeckle. I mean, we were justifying Bo Schimbeckle as one of the greatest coaches in the history of Big Ten history mm-hmm. in the nation. So that being said, we we came into – we were we were not recognized in, at, at, by national media for the first time in a long time in both Schimbeckler history, uh, Michigan history. We weren't, we weren't in the – we weren't even in the top 25 starting the season out. And we had one of the toughest schedules ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We went to South Carolina – 
We played Maryland, who was ranked number one at the beginning. Sports Illustrated's number one team. We played Notre Dame. So, I mean, we and our defense played outstanding. So, yeah. going into that Iowa game, yeah, it, it, it was it, it was different. But you know, like you said, we're used to playing big games, but it was still a big game for us because we're coming we're we're coming back from a uh, um, a six and six season now. We're the number two team in the country going against, uh, you know, a brother in school, which is the number one team in the nation. We have an opportunity to show everybody you were wrong about us. You were wrong about our coach. You were wrong about us. So we're going to go into we're going to go we're going to go into Iowa. We're going to take care of business, and it's business as usual. So we went in with a business concept, but yes, we as as student athletes, we were excited for this game. We wanted to show our wares, our defense. We wanted to show our defense off, and we wanted to show them that you know, from an offensive standpoint, we're young, and we have a young, we have a young, punky quarterback, and we're going to get things done. So yeah, we had something to prove, and yes, it was exciting. As I mean, this is what this that was the reason why I came to Michigan was to be in big games like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's. Football is such a fascinating game. You got three hundred pound people beating up on each other. You got elite athletes throwing the ball, running downfield, having team, you know, number one versus number two, and then the game is decided by the the smallest guy probably on the team kicking the ball through the uprights. Uh, what, why don't you talk about that a little bit? And uh, you know, is it was that hard to do to turn it over to the kicking unit, Chuck? Well, yeah, I don't know if it's hard to do when it, when they make it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's all it's always good when they make it. But the way the game unfolded. Uh, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't write it in Hollywood any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just like a Hollywood script ending, the way it unfolded, and and um, you know we get it down to the, I think it was a twenty six yard line, and we got our magical kicker Rob Hotland, a former walk on kicker, uh, a, a, a great story in itself how he rose through the ranks and earned a scholarship. Now he's about to kick the the greatest kick in, in Iowa history. And, uh, of course, Beauchamp Beckler uh, iced him a couple of times with timeouts. And and uh, as any coach would do, if they have timeouts remaining. And and uh, Rob is – I remember Rob, after that, after they ran out of timeouts, he started to walk out on the field and he turned to us on the sideline. All of us, he said, I got this, guys. Don't worry about it. And he he just had that kind of magical confidence about him, and and uh, he went out there and and you know we, we had the tea we had the tea back then, so it's good we had a tea. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, he went out there, you know, two seconds left and kicked it through, and again it, it still gives me chills today. That the roar of the crowd, the elation, and the emotion of the crowd has never been matched again in my lifetime. You know, and I. Again, I, as I mentioned before, I played longer and coached for a long time as well and never heard a crowd like that ever again. And those are just rare moments that you hold on to, on, on to forever. But ironically, I don't know if Jamie knows this, but Rob Houtman, our kicker, lives in Michigan. So <laughs> 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 he, 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 he's, he's surrounded by uh, 
Wolverine's all around him, guys. So he's, I'm sure he fights those guys off all the time. But it, it, it was just a magical moment. And to answer your question, it's no. When they when those kickers make it, you love them. <laughs> when they don't make it, you don't like them so much. Chuck, I'll, I'll bet that Rob has to buy his own beers, though. I bet he does. <laughs> and Chuck, how good was? Yeah, he has to buy his own beer in Michigan for sure. Chuck, how good was Michigan's defense that year? Because when you watch the game, it just seemed they were so fundamentally sound. I mean, you you guys got a lot of yards, but you had to work for them. Right? Yeah, it was it was a tough defense. I mean, it was a hard hitting defense. I, I when I watched the replay of the game, man, we I took I took a beating. I didn't realize that I was getting hit that many times. You did. And, uh, we I, I, I remember just every pass was it was just a, a, a test and a challenge. I mean, we had we we did not get the ball down the field at all. They they just had a great zone defense back there and we just it was all dink and dunk and we were just trying to manufacture yards and fight our way to with every pass uh they were they were tough they were hitting ronnie Harmon hard mm-hmm. billy happel had a good game but he was they were hitting hit i mean it was it was a catch and no run after the catch there was nothing after the catch and in fact bill happel our wide receiver were just talking about that just the other day and I told Billy, I said, Billy, you had a nice game. I didn't realize what a game you had. He goes, Yeah, but I didn't get any yard. I didn't get any yak yards. It was literally a catch, and they were on the ground. That's how hard it was to move the ball. And and uh, I think their defense was uh, number one in the nation coming in. I think they were finished like one or two in the nation uh, at the end of the year. I mean, they, they, they were good, really good defense. Jamie, what, I mean, just your recollection of just going against the Larry Station and the Iowa defense, I mean, because you were a big factor for Michigan. Well, I mean, Iowa was, uh, was they were known for their defense. So for us, they, they had a very strict defense that played uh, man coverage, not man coverage, excuse me, they played zone, but they, you know their linebackers were the key to that to their defense. They their defensive linemen sucked up the, the offensive line, and then their linebackers made the play. So we had to we we counter we counter trained. We did as many things as we could. We ran the option. Uh, we hey we we improvised. You could see Jim Harbaugh flipping the ball to Gerald White yeah. for a touchdown, which it wasn't called. He, he in in all right. Jim Harbaugh should have been sacked, but he improvised and flipped the ball to to Gerald White, and we got a touchdown to give us the lead. So it's like Chuck said: look, the kickers they get the job done. But if Chuck remembers before that, Brad Cochran, who was an All-American cornerback, mm-hmm. the ball went right through his hands. And you know what? Yeah. No blame on Brad or anything like that because there there are like a million things that could have happened to win that game, but. If we if, if he catches that pass, we can run the ball out, run the timeout, and and get out of there with a victory. But Chuck is right; that was one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard. And what it did for us going into that locker room at at the end of the game, it was it, you know you would you would expect Bo Schembechler to say something, and he did. He told us to suck all of this in, bring it together. And suck it all in, and remember this, because you never want to feel this way ever again. And he was right; it made us, it galvanized us, and we look. It was a blip on it was a blip on our screen, and it was a great game. And we we went toe to toe with number one, and we proved that we we belong. 
but we need to finish the season the right way. So it was a great game. Enjoyed it. Uh, wish we could have won. I, I hope that we could have won, but we didn't. It, and, you know, we, Iowa was always there, but we had to keep moving on because we had to keep showing America that we belong mm-hmm. where, where uh, we thought we belong. We belong in the top ten. And, you know, we slipped down a, 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 what? We slipped down to number five and number six. But, you know what, being there and going toe-to-toe with number one, I, I want to thank Chuck then. I mean, our defense – Chuck was right. Our defense was on, on point. Uh, they had they had been hitting us all 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 uh, week, so we knew that they were ready. They were going to bring everything from an offensive standpoint. We had to bring what we could, and if you think about it, we did everything we could. Like I said, we ran the wishbone, we ran the eye, we ran the split back. We did everything we could to confuse that Iowa defense because. They were going to stay there and use those linebackers, and we tried to do as many things as we could to uh, confuse them. And Chuck, from Hayden's perspective after that game, obviously it's a huge celebration. Hayden used to love to celebrate a win as much as anybody. But how long did it take for you guys to say, okay, we got to move on? Do you remember just, I mean, I'm sure that night was crazy, but by Sunday were you guys, as they say, moving on, or was it that easy to do? Uh, well, it was it was business as usual with Hayden. I mean, he had a he had a great way of, uh, and I'm sure Bo Schembechler was the same way. Just a, a guy, guys that can, veteran coaches to get your team focused back focused the next week. And we we certainly didn't want to let down the next week. And he he you know sometimes I think we were playing uh, uh, Northwestern or someone like that the next week. And he uh, he was always harder in those weeks when we were heavily favored teams uh those are really hard practice weeks for us he was hard on the media in those weeks too sometimes yeah he was i mean that's just the way hayden was but we did the hokey pokey after the game um we we enjoyed that that michigan victory we did the hokey pokey as a team and it was pretty loud and and hayden was always one no matter what victory it was It, it could have been uh a lesser opponent could have been a one double a it didn't matter uh, he enjoyed every single victory, and he knew how hard it was to win uh, in his career, and so he made sure we enjoyed every single victory uh, and enjoyed it to the fullest that night. Now, the next day, uh, you know, we didn't have the 20-hour rules they have now. You know, the next day we're back in there. Sunday afternoon, or actually we had a we, – we always had a shakeout run at 6 a.m. on Sunday. So we we have to get up. We have to get up and get there by six a.m. on Sunday for a little yes. shakeout run. Now that was because he didn't want us going out all night long. Sure, so, sure. Uh, <laughs> so we did that, and, and then uh, we all went back to bed for a while. And then we came back on Sunday, watched the tape, and then you know had a little practice or whatever we did. But it was uh, it was a fun night. I remember the crowd hanging around in the in the stands for a while, and, and then downtown was this. You know, just lively. I mean, I think everybody went downtown for the stadium, and then, uh, and then we, uh, and then Sunday it was back to back to business. But, you know, we watched the tape, and we were back on our next opponent pretty quickly. I wanted to ask both you players. It, um, 
Hayden and Bo seem to have a real genuine respect and admiration for each other. And to me, that added to this rivalry while they were there. Not, did, you guys, did you guys sense that, too? Hayden had so much respect for Bo Schembechler. Either one can answer that. Yeah. 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 I, he had tremendous respect for Bo. Uh, and they had great respect for each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they just, they were just two of a kind. I mean, they were, um, don't forget, before Hayden got there, it was, you know, Michigan and Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl every year. Every I year. I think it was like, I think from, it was like 15 years in a row is either from Michigan. Yeah, from 67 and, to, uh, to, yeah. The big two and yeah. the little eight. Yep. 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 And Hayden, Hayden broke that. He broke through. And and when Iowa broke through in 1981, <laughs> I was a freshman. I wasn't playing. But we broke through in 1981. That was the first non-Michigan Ohio State team, I don't know, like I said, in 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it made it all possible for other teams to do it in the Big Ten. It gave people hope. And I think since then, everybody's gone to the Rose Bowl, but maybe two or three teams in the Big Ten. So, uh, but the re- he knew, Hayden knew that to do it, you have to beat Bo Schembeck. Mm-hmm. You have to go mm-hmm. through Michigan to be able to do that. And we broke through in 81 and uh, went up to Michigan and beat him 9-7. to You guys remember that game? Yeah, I'm that sure. A, Tom Nickel. Yeah, that was, that was a huge game. You know, they had Anthony Carter, they had Steve Smith, the quarterback, and they had some, you know, had some Butch Wolfolk, I think, was on that team. They had some really good players, and we went up there and upset them. But but Hayden knew, hey, you want to you want to break through? It's not it's not a matter of beating Northwestern or the Indianas of the of the, of the world. And, and no disrespect to them, but they weren't. You know, they they haven't been a perennial power. But you had to go through Bo Schembechler to do it. And so, and Hayden would would study them and study Michigan and say, hey, if you. You know, you got to beat these guys. You got to really study them hard to do it, and and recruit like they do, and develop like Michigan did. So that's what Hayden did. He's smart enough to do that, but he had great respect for uh, for Bo, no question about it. And Jamie, I'm sure you sensed that Bo had a lot of admiration for Hayden too. Just talk about what you saw from your end of their relationship. Oh, uh, when we were playing Iowa, we had to get ready. I mean, that was a game. That was especially. Uh, for that year, I mean, when when it came out that both teams were highly were going to be highly ranked and be one and two, I mean, Bo uh speech on Monday was. I mean, we had five speeches uh, each day. Bo had a speech, and I that week he had a speech about Hayden Fry, how he came into the Big Ten, how how he developed Iowa, how. And you found out each day how much respect he had for Hayden Fry, who came in and was an upstart. And exact words, what he said as an upstart is, "Who is this guy coming into the Big Ten and showing that he can he can take a team to beat Michigan and Ohio State?" Gentlemen, we have a task in front of us, is what he said. <laughs> Gentlemen, you could see it. And for me, I mean, and for everybody, you just said, oh, really respects this guy. And he, I mean, in the beginning, I mean, you were in that pink locker room, which was white at the time when <laughs> uh, Big Johnny got done with it, our equipment manager. Uh-huh. In that pink locker room, the speech that, you know, the, the speech that peels the paint off the wall, that gets you so fired up, you're ready to play. 
<laughs> he let us know about Hayden Fry, and when we get when we get out shot, Hayden Fry will be looking across at me, and I'll look at him, and I will I will I will glare back at him and say, and I'll shake my head, and he'll know that Bo Schembechler, he played a Bo Schembechler team, and I, it was like, yeah, let's go, and it that was the finish of the speech going out on the field. So the respect was there. Uh, it was on. You know, it was on. Wow. It was, it's not. It was only. It was. It wasn't just the players on the field. It was the coaches on the sidelines, and you knew that. And you, the respect. And here's the thing: the respect of what they said in the middle of the field to one another. You know, Bo said, "This is a great game, and it's a shame it had to end." And Hayden said that. Uh, I mean, he said, what did he say to Bo? Bo told me. He, he said, you know, uh, I wish we could keep playing, too. Something like that. And I'm like, wow, these two. It was, it, this, that's the kind of game, as a kid growing up in, in Massachusetts, you wanted to be in a game like that. That was classic Michigan football mm-hmm. in those type of games. You visualize yourself in those types of situations, so. Um, but like I said, it galvanized us the rest of the way, got us going, and uh, propelled us uh, on our way to the Fiesta Bowl. So, so Jamie, have you remained pretty close with uh, Coach Harbaugh? Yeah, we did, yeah, like he's our, he, he was my quarterback, so sure. Mm-hmm. And he was, I mean, he, he played. You know, he was. He was not a dual threat quarterback, but he did run a lot. Like you said, he improvised on that play um, where he threw the ball to Gerald White. Chuck, I wanted to ask you about two passes. The one to Cochran, when you threw that ball, when did you realize, ooh, this might not be a good thing? And when you saw him drop it, what was your reaction? Then I also, the Halverson touchdown that would have been ruled a touchdown today, but talk about those two plays. And then, Jamie, we'll get we'll get to your side, too. The football – the football gods have a way of evening things out. So <laughs> when they when they ruled Scotty Helpson out of bounds, which in today's world it would have been reversed and it's called a touchdown, it, it, it had to happen where Brad had to drop the ball, right? Mm. So the football gods even things out is the way I look at it. Um, but yeah, I threw that ball. It was a it was a wheel a wheel route to Ronnie Harmon, and they were in a I think they were in a, like a cover two, and I did not see Brad at all. And when I released the ball, I went, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, as, as soon as I released it, he's just standing there waiting for it. I went, oh, my God. And he dropped it. I couldn't believe it. I, I said, oh, man, the, the football guys are smiling on us today. <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah, they that was just uh, an ill-advised passed by me and I was forcing it down the field because you know I had so much confidence in Ronnie and uh, man he was standing there waiting for it like a center fielder waiting for a pop fly and he and he dropped it went right through his hands went right through his hands as Jamie said I, 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 I couldn't believe it I said oh man we have some new life here because that like Jamie said that probably could have ended the game or get close to it yeah they could have run the ball. They could have run the ball out and win the game. So, Jamie, your reaction when you saw that ball slip through Brad's hands? Because if people don't remember, Brad Cochran was one of the best defensive backs in college football. Yeah, I mean, he was. was really good. 
No, it was. He, he was one of our captains. Yeah. So, I mean, when look for us, we were we, we were we were we we were like, oh God! But we were excited because it was a doubt. Mm-hmm. We can get the ball back. We're still we still can get the ball back. It's still further enough away where okay, he still he, hey Chuck Long's in there. But we st- our defense is playing well. We can we can get that ball back, and that that's the whole mentality. Offense, stay stay alert, stay alert. And uh, I mean, yeah, we I mean, we were at the end of the game. We knew it was a big play, and it, you know, if, if he only would have caught that interception, we were more elated that you know he almost he had an opportunity mm-hmm. to catch an interception. And Jamie, on the play where Station stunted, and can you do, do you remember kind of what happened on that? When you got the handoff, you really didn't have a chance to go anywhere. And Chuck, when you say that, pretty much iced the game for Iowa when Larry made that tackle on third down. I mean, but Jamie, what do you remember about that play? Well, I mean, it was it was a uh, it was a check with me at the line of scrimmage. We got up there. Uh, we felt that they were going to blitz. I think. I think Jim, Jim got over and he was, he thought that Larry Station was going to come the other way. Uh, and then when, uh, when I was being handed the ball, I went, Ooh, bad call. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the key thing is don't fumble the ball. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I just, I, I got tackled and you know what? Uh, as I ran off the field, think we, we, we had an opportunity and we, we, we let that one get away. Um, you know, we didn't fumble the ball. We were going to be able to kick the ball. We'll get it down the field. And like in the, in the, like in the mid eighties, you concentrate on defense, your defense. We, we, Hey, we had a defense that could travel. So we, we, we were happy what we, what we had done. We were upset as an offense. We, we wanted another opportunity, but the defense, like Chuck said, our defense was probably one or two in the country. So, you know, uh, we depended on that defense a lot. And, Chuck, you know, I, I knew some guys on that team, and when that kick went through and you guys had that celebration at midfield, a couple of them actually said that they got trampled and were seriously, for a few <laughs> seconds, worried about their health. I assume, were you? where were you? Did you jump into that mob? I can't imagine you were at the bottom of that pile. I know Mark Vlasic was, obviously. Where were you during that? No, I wasn't in that pile. I was, I was out. I was outside the pile. And then, then I saw. Then I heard. You know, people, players gasping for air. Yes. So then we started to unpile them and get everybody off of Mark Vlasic. Mark Vlasic, our holder, was on the bottom of the pile. He ended up twisting his knee down there. That's right. And he had like a, a, a knee brace for a couple of weeks after that. I mean, he was. I think he was actually ruled out of the next game. Um. Because he, because of the bottom of the pile, uh, but he was he was gasping for air, and we just we were trying to get everybody off the off of everybody, you know. So uh, it was kind of a little glitch at the end of the game, but we got everybody safely off and off the field. But it was it was melee down there. There was no question about it. It, it was crazy down there, and it was fun to be down there during all that. Yeah, no, I mean, like we said, it's arguably Tom the greatest game in the history of Iowa football in a lot of guys. We've already had you on for we've had you on for half an hour. I could talk about I could talk on forever, but now we really appreciate this. Was um, it's so much fun looking back for two guys who are such key factors 
for their team and two guys who are two of the greatest players in the history of two great football programs. I mean, and the history of the Big Ten. You guys both got to be so proud of what you were able to accomplish at both your schools. Oh, not, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was great. I mean, it's good to be a part of the history that Michigan has and the prestigious history that we have. It, it, it's great. I just, I give all, um, all praise to the off, the five guys in front of me that I would, that blocked for me and gave, gave me the will and Jim Harbaugh handing the ball off to me as many times as he had to. And, uh, you know, to Bo Schimbeckel, who trusted me to carry the ball. And Jamie, what was your, what was your playing weight? I mean, you were listed at five, seven. What did you play at? What was your weight in college? Uh, I was a hundred and that, that, that year, my sophomore year, I was a hundred and, uh, 65 pounds. I gained like, uh, I gained, uh, 20, 20 pounds, uh, from my freshman year to my sophomore year. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing. And did the size, I don't, I'm not going to ask you, did, but I'm not going to ask you if you were ever intimidated out there. Cause obviously, but could, was the size ever a fact? Did you think you ever had to prove yourself more because of your size? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. No, I, I, the thing about it is when I was playing out there, I thought I was the same size as everybody else. Okay, okay. You know, but it also, I used it as to my advantage. I mean, you can hear the, the defensive players will tell you, I can't see that sucker up there <laughs> behind those offensive linemen. They're in the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it helped. So, you know, there was always, there was always ways to do it. And, um, I had we the one thing about Michigan is, is they had good offensive linemen, yeah. and you get behind them, bad boys, and they'll 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 open up the hole. So, um, and that's what my coach used to tell me: so you get behind them and ride those coattails until you can get outside. It also helped that you were very fast. And if I'm not mistaken, do you still hold the NFL record for most carries in a game at 45? I do. You do. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. What in the world? I, I've never heard of such a thing. Obviously, that was the game plan that day. No, we had one punt. We had one punt. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible, Jamie. And Chuck, obviously, Chuck Long in Iowa. You just say the name Chuck Long, Tom. I mean, it's, Oh, my God. I mean, Chuck, you, you live here in the state again. Just, just before we wrap up, and we do have one question we want to ask Jamie because uh, we've already asked Chuck. We've before. asked Chuck. Yep. But Chuck, just what's it like being Chuck Long in Iowa 35 years later? <laughs> if that's a fair question. You hold on for dear life. They, 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 slowly, they slowly, slowly forget about you over time. So I have to go around reminding people who I am. <laughs> I think you're being humble. I think you're being humble. I got to I got to share a story with Jamie. I don't know if he knows the story, but and you guys didn't touch on it, so I'm going to end with this okay, story. Okay. But in the pregame warm up, Jamie uh, Hayden purposely sent over a a a long snapper who has never snapped the ball in his life. He sent over a snapper and our punter right in front of uh, your bench, right in front of Schembechler. And this long snapper, who's never snapped a punt for a punt before, kept snapping the ball into the ground and over the guy's head. And Schembechler says, hey, Fry, come on over here. Aiden knew what, you know, set him up, said, you don't plan on having this guy snap to your punt, do you? 
and, and Hayden, Hayden, without without you know, missing a beat, says, "Well, we don't plan on punting today, coach." <laughs> and turn around and walk away. And, yeah. and Bo, Bo was so mad, Jamie. He was so mad at him. But of course, we punted like six times in the game. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, he tried to he tried to get under Bo's skin, but I don't think it worked too well because uh, we had such a great game. But. He would always try to do things like that to Bo, and Bo did it to him, too. But I, I want to share that story with Jamie. I don't know if you ever heard that. That's awesome. That's, That's a great oh, story. God. Thank you. Guys, yeah. again, thanks yeah. again. <laughs> and, Jamie, we got one. La- Chuck, we really appreciate you coming on. You know you're always welcome on yep, here. Our, li- our listeners love it. And Jamie, we got one last question Tom's going to ask you, and it's about, well, we're a music All right. station. All right. Okay, Jamie. Jim Harbaugh picks up the phone. He's on the line, and he says, Jamie, my man. I need you to do something for me. We need you to find a band or an act to fill up the big house and get us some money here. Who is Jamie Morris going to hire? There's your question. A band, and, uh, a band, a band or an act. Uh, it could be yeah. anyone. Whoever. Okay. Oh, yeah, Detroit. Oh, hey, great. I didn't thought about Yeah, you're right Bob about Seger's that. He's from Ann Arbor. He's, oh. he's the, some of the songs are about Ann Arbor, so... Why wouldn't we have the hometown boy do that? There you go. Perfect choice. Perfect choice, Jamie. Hey, Jamie, Chuck, we really appreciate you guys reminiscing on this. This was a lot of fun. And congratulations 35 years later on two great (laughs) college careers. And we really appreciate it, guys. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Take care, man. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Chuck, Jamie. Appreciate it. Yep. Wow. That was – I could have – Wow. I could have done another hour, but I just think a half an hour – that's enough, and then you don't. I mean, you hate to impose much. Too, longer. Yeah, I that, mean they're busy. I mean Chuck said he had between nine and ten to do it, so that was fun. And and they were uh, enjoying it. Oh, you obviously. could tell they were enjoying, and, and mutual respect. Yes, yes. And I think that was the theme between with Hayden and Bo, mutual respect. I think that's and right. I think it made the rivalry that much better. And Hayden was more of a jokester than Bo, so Hayden was the one who was always teasing Bo and trying to yeah, but I'll fry that type of thing. on something to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's and, great. That, but that was that was a good story. I'm glad Chuck. I'd heard that before, but I hadn't heard Chuck tell it. So that's awesome. Well, we need to get in some political ads here. So <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> it's Hawk Fanatic on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. 1630 KCJJ.com. Powered by the Hobby Corner at the Iowa City Marketplace. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, See Premier Automotive in North Liberty. 1-800-800-ROSE. 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy, just remember one number, 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. one 
Remember, GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at souples.net or call 337-2246. Hi, this is Steve Anderson with Hawkeye Title and Settlement in Iowa City. Whether it's a crazy real estate market, record low interest rates, or the COVID-19 virus, we are living in unprecedented times. But know that my remarkable team at Hawkeye is literally working around the clock and in unique and adaptable ways to try to make every deal close smoothly and on time. We appreciate your understanding, patience, and flexibility as we power through this tough time. We're going to get through this together. Protecting families and fighting for the future our kids deserve. I'm Sheriff Lonnie Polkrabic. After 35 years in law enforcement, I know a good education for our kids is the cornerstone of our communities. In the Iowa House, I'll fight for public schools and every one of our families. I'll stand up to the insurance companies that increase premiums and deny for pre-existing conditions so all Iowans get the health care they need. I'm Lonnie Polkrabic, and I'm running for the Iowa House because I'll put your family first. Paid for by Lonnie Polkrabic for Iowa House. Hey, everybody, it's Kevin here from Big Dog Satellite and Solar, your local TV expert, and I want to tell you about Dish TV. If technology, value, and customer satisfaction are important to you, then it's time to cut the cable cord once and for all. Upgrade your TV experience and start saving with Dish today. Drop by Big Dog Satellite and Solar on Blairs Ferry Road in front of Rockwell. Call 3950800 or visit us on the web at bigdogsatellite.com. We are Big Dog Satellite and Solar, your local locally operated and trusted satellite TV experts. On February 22, 2013, KCJJ was granted a license by the Federal Communications Commission to serve the public interest as a public trustee until February 1, 2021. Our license will expire on February 1, 2021. We have filed an application for renewal with the FCC. A copy of this application is available for public inspection at www.fcc.gov. It contains information concerning this station's performance during the last eight years. Individuals who wish to advise the FCC of facts relating to our renewal application and to whether this station's operation in the public interest should file comments and petitions with the FCC by January 4, 2021. Further information concerning the FCC's broadcast license renewal process is available at 4404 Napoleon Street, Southeast, Iowa City, Iowa, 52240, or may be obtained from the FCC, Washington, D.C., 20554, www.fcc.gov. Hello. I'm Merle Miller, owner of Hawkeye Brokerage Center in Iowa City, Iowa. At Hawkeye Brokerage Center, we focus on wealth accumulation strategies. For 30 years, we've served over 2,000 clients, including faculty and staff at the University of Iowa, Iowa State, and UNI. At Hawkeye Brokerage Center, we can show you products and strategies to help maximize your wealth potential and reduce your tax liabilities. Whether you want a comfortable retirement, a plan for education costs, world travel, build a new home, or just save for a rainy day. Hawkeye Brokerage Center has the professional experience to help you achieve your goals. Call me, Merle Miller, at 319-354-6506, extension 1, or visit us online at hawkeyebrokerage.com. Securities and investment advisory services offered solely through Emeritus Investment Corporation, AIC. Member FINRA, SIPC, Merle Miller, and AIC do not provide tax or legal advice.
Please consult your tax advisor or attorney regarding your situation. At American Family Insurance, we know your life has many moving parts, from your four wheels to your hard-earned home and the financial future of your family. We'll cover the things that matter most. Bundle your home and auto policies for possible savings and add life insurance for convenient, future-focused protection so you can keep dreaming towards what's next. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. For details, contact the Brett Throlson Agency at 319-365-6499 or stop by 3407 Mount Vernon Road Southeast in Cedar Rapids today. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional, transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Your life is always changing, and a lot of things can affect how and what you save. So a good retirement plan changes with your life. At Wells Fargo Advisors, we believe conversation leads to financial clarity. So start a conversation today. Wells Fargo Advisors, together we'll go far. For information locally, call 338-3799 or 866-217-2369 or stop by 501 12th Avenue, Suite 201, Coralville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC, Member SIPC. From the Hurting and Stalker Studios in the heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurting and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making moments. Back to the Hawk Fanatic program with uh, Tom Suter and Pat Hardy. That was a uh, fun fun uh, little spe- segment there it was it was very i really enjoyed it i was grinning from ear to ear listening to those guys talk about that that was just really cool well it was you know not many athletes get a chance to play in a situation like that you know number one versus number two just doesn't happen all the time you yeah. know it really doesn't rarely does it happen yeah and well obviously with iowa it hasn't happened since and i'm sure i'm wonder how many times it's happened I didn't research In Iowa that. history? No, I wonder um, how many times it's happened for Michigan since then. I mean, as great as that Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is, are they ever one and two? Um, are they ever? I'm sure they have been. Not not to my But it, No, it was very rare. And I thought it was interesting listening to Chuck talk about the tension leading up to the, you know, that mm-hmm. week. And I do remember... I remember the local media writing stories about the national media being there. That was part of the storyline, was all the national media coming in for the game. So, yeah, and it was obviously more enjoyable for us. I'm not Do you think we would have done this show today with them had Iowa lost 12 to 10? <laughs> um, Maybe. Yeah, I mean, as long as you had the Jamie. Yeah, I do appreciate sure. Jamie coming on and talking about, you know, one of the toughest losses in his career. But what I found interesting was how they used they used that loss to galvanize. I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they did end up having a better record than Iowa, which is kind of they went 10-1-1. and I think they ended up being higher ranked than Iowa. When this, I mean, well, the, I think they did. I yeah. think they did. I mean, the Ro- the Rose Bowl thing kind of derailed Iowa's climb up the poles, obviously. But, but, yeah, it just goes to show you one game doesn't make a season, but one game can last forever in your memory. Mm-hmm. And it did propel Iowa. I mean, they were number one for five weeks, still arguably the greatest team in program history. Mm-hmm. First 10-win team. I mean, Chuck Long, without question, the greatest quarterback in program history at the peak of his game. The 58 Hawkeyes might disagree. They might. But I just think football was better in 85. I mean, 58 was, wasn't it mostly just 
one platoon football. Yes. It, it was just a different. It, it was a different game. It was just a different game. Completely. But no, the 58 team was great. The 56 team was great. Hey, let's think for 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. They went undefeated. Howard Jones. Yeah. I mean, Howard Jones went on to become a successful musical artist in the 80s. After he coached, no one, no one was to blame no. for that. After no. he coached at USC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly, the real Howard Jones um, died of a heart attack. In his forties, while yeah, coaching. he wasn't wasn't very old. Was I think he? he was washing his car, and he died of a heart attack in wow. his forties while coaching. And then the, um, I do remember that Howard Jones. What other wasn't there a Jesus Jones too? Yeah, yeah, right here, right now. Great right song. Here, right now. That's Jesus Jones. Yeah. Yes. Was he related to Howard Jones? I think not. And what was Howard Jones' song? Uh, no, no one, one is, is to blame. blame. Things can only get better. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I do remember the no one is no one is to blame. Okay, yes, I do. I oh god. Okay, it was kind of a dirge, but it was it was yeah, it was interesting. Wasn't that during like the flock of seagulls, yeah, like uh-huh. right late eighties? Yep, right around there. Okay, flock of seagulls did that. I I ran, I ran so far. Wasn't that yes, it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're 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 regressing. We're regressing. But um, well, he gave me the Howard Jones. What am I supposed to do? I know I, we teed it up for him. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. You're yeah. right. You, I just forgot about the singer Howard Jones. I mean, but the coach Howard Jones, he went to Duke for a year, and then he went out to USC. And I don't know if a lot of Iowa fans realize he created the USC power. He built the power yes. that became John McKay and everything else later. But Howard Jones is the one that put USC on the map. He mm-hmm. turned them into a power. And then, like I said, he died of a heart attack in his forties. I mean, wow. it's just. I mean, sudden. And you wonder, you know, had he stayed at Iowa, what he could have been able to do. Obviously. You know, we'll never know. And uh, I've read where his wife was part of it. He didn't like the winters. Didn't like the cold weather. It sounds familiar, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't that seem to That's <laughs> been a, you know, that was obviously part of Bobby Olson's issue with loot. I mean, mm-hmm. the fishbowl thing was part two. But, we, you know, you heard, um, was it uh, um, Scott Frost? Not Scott Frost. Dan Frost said that he doesn't. It wasn't, no, it was Scott Thompson who said he didn't think. Had they beaten Villanova, he doesn't think Lute would have taken the Arizona job. Remember when he said uh-huh. it? He didn't think he would have had time to interview. I thought that was interesting. But I know I remember reading that Bobby got tired of the winners. Didn't Ralph Miller's wife get tired of it? Mm-hmm. It seems like that has been an ongoing thing. Now, that obviously had nothing to do with Forrest Dovashevsky because he stayed here. Yeah. And he was from Michigan anyway. So, But, yeah, the weather thing has been, that's what I was told, the reason Howard Jones left. Yeah. A uh, hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Almost a hundred years ago. Wow. No, Steve had not started. He what, Steve hadn't done his first Steve show Steve had yet. started his radio career. He built his uh, first kit there. <laughs> <laughs> a little Tonka Toy yeah, kit. Yeah. He's in diapers and soil, soiled diapers, <laughs> just talking politics and taking on city councils. Is that what he was doing? Yeah. That over. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, this was... This was fun, and hey, we're uh, can you believe we're eight days away from what we hope is the season opener? No, boy, more, we hope so. I'm getting more and more confident that it's going to happen. I mean, but like you said, it just takes one. Turns I mean, on a dime, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's cross our fingers. Yeah, we just keep saying theoretically it's a, it's an eight days away, and I I would say you know chances are they're going to play. Chances chances are. are. I think yes, it's fair to say, but you just never rule anything out. No, not this year. I mean, <laughs> Alabama, Alabama. Everything was smooth sailing. It seemed like now, yep. all of a sudden, now Nick Saban has it, and I haven't heard any updates on how he's doing. But you worry when he's in great shape, but he's still seventy. Yeah, yesterday 70. Uh, he was on. Uh, they, I think CNN had a, a bit on him, and he was saying he's just he has no symptoms, but he's just quarantining and he's he's doing the the coaching 
uh, the practices uh, on Zoom from home. Okay, and, yeah, and they said that he was just just as organized as ever, which doesn't. Well, can I, you imagine? You know, sitting there, make, missing a play out on the field, and then he's on the jumbo trying to screaming at you. At you. Well, so I, I, do you think they have it set up? I'll bet they do. I'm sure they. I think sure. they do. So you'd be like God looking at, uh, on the practice. Someone brought up a point that you know the virus will probably leave his body just because he's so mean and grumpy. <laughs> I mean, we can have a little levity, can't we? Yes, we can. But, um, but yeah, that just goes to show you, though, you know that Nick Saban was, was practicing social. You know he was. Sure. He, he'd been very vocal about this stuff. So mm-hmm. it just goes. And did I read where Christie, Chris Christie, was in, in intensive care for seven days? Yes. Yes. So yeah. he. he and, and he came out a changed guy. He said, I was wrong not to wear a mask. And he got probably the best medicine around, too, right? I was oh, in, I'm sure. Yeah, he, just, he, he was, he was uh, able to check himself into a hospital. He didn't. He didn't go because he had to. He goes. He went because he had symptoms, and he goes. I'm going to the hospital. I'm glad he made it through. Okay, that's well, he's good got, news. Yeah, he's you know he's he's a big fella and uh, at risk that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, without question. My and, guess is maybe something like this will convince him to shed a few. Maybe. Well, maybe. You know, but, but uh, what was the thing I heard today? Oh, type O blood is uh, if you're type O, you're better able to handle the virus. I've sense. heard that. Well, that's not me. That's me. I, I'm not. Sh- I think but it's I don't me. Wanna, I don't want to test it. I think it's no. No, I don't want to test it either. But that is. I mean, that is one of the theories, and it's. I'm sure that stuff. All these colleges know. I bet you. I, do you think the Iowa team doctors knows what blood type most of these players are? Oh, I would yeah. imagine. I would think so. I would, if he didn't know it before this year, he does now. He does now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that would. That would be something that I think is a lot more transparent now and what have you. But no, I'm just. I'm getting more confident that something's that they're going to play and. You watch. We're worried about everything else. I just hope the weather cooperates next Saturday. I just hope they have a good weather day to where the weather's not a story. I do, too. That It'd be too bad. We've been waiting for Iowa to play for so long that you want them, you know, and then Purdue's offense is going to be fun to watch. And so, you, yeah, you want them to, to have a, a nice, fast track. I mean, Iowa's offense could be fun to watch. Yes, it could. I mean, we just don't know. We play like we did against USC. Yeah. It'll be a joy to watch. We, and you know that Purdue's had that USC tape scouted. Probably they're probably expecting Tyrone Tracy maybe to run some reverses and Amir Smith Marset. But of course, it comes back to how well is Spencer Petras going to handle his first start? Yeah. Assuming he does start, which all signs point to that. I mean, Kirk's had a good record with first-year starting quarterbacks. They use. I mean, CJ. I mean, Jake Rudock, CJ, they, they have James Vandenberg. They all have their best seasons, it seems, their first year as a multi-year starter. Drew Tate, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. I mean, Brad Banks and Nate Chandler had good years, but they were only one-year starters. So there's reason to be optimistic about Spencer Petras. And the other reason I'm optimistic is that Brian and Kirk have embraced him from the beginning. It doesn't seem like there's been any doubt that this is our guy. No, this is our guy. I mean, I'm saying there wasn't quarterback competition because they did say that Padilla has really made some – strides but it's clear that spencer petrus is who they believe is their best quarterback right now so we'll see and he's a deadhead i haven't heard any uh anything about deuce so far i have not either they uh-huh. did not mention that's not we're not reading in there that doesn't mean no. anything good or bad but i will admit i was a little surprised at the coaches media day thing when they were talking that his name was never even mentioned but padilla is clearly the number two quarterback right now based on what they said last week yeah the uh, indiana weather for the next 10 days uh, shows um Chance of rain like Wednesday through Friday, but then like partly sunny and maybe like sixties on, on Saturday. Oh, great! Perfect but, football. But weather. we're ten day, we're eight days out. True. So, but but that that looks pretty good. Indiana, for I've always found, is usually a little bit warmer mm-hmm. 
And then, yeah. like at Bloomington, it's, f- it's further, it's further south and whatever. But it seems like it's always a little bit warmer in Indiana. So just so I just want that game to be played on a dry surface, so both teams can be at their yeah peak they're, potential. They're they're a lot warmer than us. I mean, they're looking at sixties uh, Sunday too, and then 50s, 60s, upper sixties, seventies on Thursday. Uh, Saturday it's a sixty-four. Maybe we should move to West Lafayette for a couple of weeks. Maybe not. <laughs> so, do you think it's going to be high scoring? I do. I do too. I, I'm I think it's going to be that. like thirty-four, thirty-one type game. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And that's no knock on the Iowa defense or the Purdue defense. But I just think matter, these. But... I think these offenses are ready to score some points. It's going to be interesting. I want to thank uh, my friend Brian Ringen for uh, sending me a link. To the Iowa-Michigan game from 19. I'm surprised you don't have it. You don't have it on tape or anything? I don't think I do. Interesting. I, that was, I, would have, I don't think I do. I'm surprised that I do have it and you don't. You I don't. tend to not go back and watch games a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't do that a lot either. I did this just to kind of prepare for this uh, interview. I wanted to remember the Cochran. I, I wish I had, had done that. I wanted to remember the Cochran near interception. I wanted to make sure Helverson's foot was in bounds. I was <laughs> just so, and all those were, just, those were just three huge pivotal plays. And what's funny is every pivotal play in that game involved the two guys that we were just talking mm-hmm. to. Now, don't don't you when you go to the home games? Don't you watch? Don't you record them and then watch them the next day at home? No, or, or that night? Yes, I do. I don't. He does. I don't. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. But the road games, you you, you just watch them once. Um, no, we'll frequently. If, especially if, if, if we win, we'll if frequently watch it again. If we if we don't win, I don't necessarily yeah relive the anguish. <laughs> Did you rewatch the 2016 um, Outback Bowl against Florida? Thirty to three. Don't think so. Remember that one, the yeah. game where they, the game where CJ could barely move, and they yeah, just never. Yeah, That was one of my worst. God, I, that was a painful. Game Tyler was actually. I didn't go. Tyler went. Tyler went for us. He he took that trip, and I just remember that was one of the most painful games to watch. And CJ looked like he was just battered, and he couldn't barely move. You know, and that. I hate to second guess the coaches, but why the hell wouldn't you put in your? I did wonder about that. I did wonder about that on that day. Why they did? Because that was Jake, wasn't it? No. Yeah. No, Jake was gone. Jake was gone. No, oh, was that's made, right. That's right. Wasn't it Stanley as a true freshman? Maybe that's why they didn't it. 16, 17, uh, 18. Yeah, it was Nate be. Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. It was Nate Stanley as a true freshman. But CJ just, he was battered and bruised that whole season. It was just, that 16 season was a bummer. I mean, I never it dreamed sure they'd was. go from 12-2 and two to 7-6. and six. Nope. I mean, it was a bummer. I mean, CJ's career kind of ended the same way Drew Tate's did, in a way. You know, it did, just, yeah, it did. It just kind of fizzled at the end, and injuries were a big part of it, unfortunately. Yeah. But that just goes to show you, you got to enjoy every moment. But Spencer Peters has a chance to be a three-year starter here at Iowa now. He's got a chance to really leave his mark, and it starts on Saturday. So, like I said, I'm going to be really curious to see how he handles everything. Oh, see, I, I think everybody's curious about how he's going to. Yeah, because you know what you got with Tyler Goodson. You know if you give him some space, he's going to make plays. We Our- see. All right, first play from scrimmage. How about a play action? I wouldn't have a problem with that. Go for a hit. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Or, you know, go downfield, do something. And I'm more apt to think they'll do that than just hand the ball to Tyler Goodson. Well, I hope they do. That would be get Purdue back on their heels a little bit early. But they also got to run for 150 yards at least per game. Yes. It's the... It's the biggest problem with the Iowa offense year after year after year, ironically, is that their running game doesn't live up to near as the respect that it gets. I mean, when people think of Hawkeye you're, football, you're right. oh, they just ma- mash it down your throat. Oh, no, they really don't. No. 
They really don't. The running game is very overrated at times. But I think they have a good foundation with – I mean, Tyler Goodson is as good as any running back they've had under Kirk. I mean, wouldn't you say? Uh, he's got a chance to be. So far. He's got a chance to be. He still has to, more to prove, but he's really good. Yeah, he looked looked real good. And those receivers, they're proven. They're versatile. Each is a little different. Well, this each, is the best receiving court we've had, if not – I can't say ever, but it's potentially one of the best no, for you're Kirk. Right. Oh, without without question, yeah. I mean, um, I actually wrote that story a while back. It's you know the one Maurice Brown, C.J. Jones, Dallas Clark, that combo. I know throwing the tight end position in to me, that's still the pinnacle. I mean, Maurice Brown, that 2002 season, he had almost a thousand receiving yards. C.J. Jones was explosive. I mean, Maurice Brown and Dallas Clark between the two of them had over 1,800 receiving yards that year. Mm-hmm. That 2002 offense is still, I think, the best. With Brad at quarterback, I mean, they were just, other than the second half against Iowa State and the second half against USC, you take away those two halves, and that offense was as good as any offense I've seen at Iowa. Yeah, well. So, were you surprised Jamie said Bob Seeger instead of Iggy Pop? <laughs> that was a perfect answer. Because isn't Iggy Pop from Detroit? Yes, he yeah. is. Yeah. And we know we didn't ask Jamie about White Boy Rick either. That's my fault. Well, right? Iggy would not be filling up the big house. Let's put it that way. Iggy, would Iggy fill up the Englert? No. Now? You don't think? I bet he would. I bet he would. 2,000? Isn't the Englert 2,000, roughly? 2000? Not even. Not even. Uh-uh. Maybe under 1,000. I bet you Iggy would get 1,000 people here, don't you? Yeah, you're probably right. Probably. Hold, hold please. Uh, I saw Iggy pop in a cornfield outside of the Quad Cities. He barely filled that up. How long ago was that? Uh, it was, it was the Roar Festival. Yeah, we were both at that. Yeah, at the Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds. Yeah, it uh-huh. was. They had a. They had a great. It was a bunch of great alternative bands played, and then Iggy was the the lead. And uh, the late nineties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Tommy Lang, you're saying that Iggy Pop, in fact, would not fill up Probably the Englert. Not. Probably I, not. The great, great story. Uh, the the general manager of the fairgrounds, you know, knew Iggy's reputation. He went backstage and. Said, you know, we're in a neighborhood. It's a Sunday afternoon. What was his reputation? Just as a, a madman. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't G, uh, Gigi Allen mad though, right? Or did no, he? No. Didn't he cut himself though and bleed on stage? Yeah, and stuff? yeah. And he would, he would, he would uh, crowd surf, and he would, you know, basically strip down to nothing and, with blood all over him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But you know, he, go, he goes, look, it's a, it's an, you're in a neighborhood. It's a Sunday afternoon. We'd appreciate it if you keep the, uh, the language. You and know. your clothes on. Yeah. I'm certainly no Iggy Pop fan, but I might be interested in going to the Englert if he were there. Yeah. Would so he, he bounces up on stage. He's, he's shirtless, and he goes, hello, MFers, as loud as he could, you know. And it just wafts, because I used to live in that neighborhood, and you could hear note for note everything that was being said. But know, doesn't his play. music suck? For the most part, I don't. Yeah, there's some it. really great songs like the uh, uh, the Traveler. What is that song? Oh, I don't know. I can't tell I, you any of his songs. That's a that's a good one. And um, um, he's done some pretty real Wild Child. That's an, that's kind of an older song of his. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna read a release. Okay. All right. Let's see. The Hawkeye Wrestling Club announced Friday, which is today, right now, that a limited number of tickets will be available for the HWC. Showdown open on Sunday, November 1st at Extreme Arena in Coralville. Oh, wow. Tickets will go on sale to the general public Wednesday, October 21st at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tickets are $30 per person and available for purchase at ExtremeArena.com. And the arena is capitalized. The A, it's all one word, but the X is capitalized and the A is capitalized. Mask will be required to attend the event. 
It's the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. That's mm-hmm. uh, the Hawkeye Wrestling Club showdown open marks the first time since winning the Big Ten championships on March 8th that wrestlers from the number one team in the country will take the match. Spencer Lee, Austin DeSanto, Jade Nerman, Alex Morelli, Michael Kimmerer, and Tony Cassiope will compete in freestyle wrestling matches against world medalists, national champions, and NCAA All-Americans. Well. The main card includes seven men's freestyle matches and two women's freestyle bouts. The main card begins at 6 p.m. Central Time, and a live stream event is available for twenty nine ninety five at trackwrestling.com. That's kind of expensive, isn't it? Yeah, a little. <laughs> but oh. good event. I mean, it's a good event. And so it's they'll just, probably sell, what do you suppose, 1,000 tickets? That I don't know. Now, media is not allowed. Media, I've, I was told media is not allowed to cover the event. So, um, yeah, it doesn't say. It just says a limited number of tickets, whatever that will be. So if you're interested, you know, there you have your information. Oh, that's well. It's going to be a great event. Yeah, absolutely. If you're a wrestling fanboy, you want to be there. I'm sure um, it'll sell out very quickly. I want. I have not been inside that arena yet. Have you? I have, and it's uh, very cool. It's very impressive. I haven't been there since it's been quote unquote finished. Oh, okay. But oh yeah, it's yeah I was there for the ribbon amazing. cutting ceremony. And, and what's it hold? Like six. Roughly around. It, it depends. For a concert, Concerts, it'll hold like 6,500 yes, or something like that. Yes. And I think just on on seating, I think there's, what, 55 to yeah. 5,700 or something like you that. Think Mc, you think McCartney could fill it? <laughs> uh, many times over. Stella McCartney could fill it. <laughs> Stella! <laughs> but... Um, and then basketball started Wednesday, and I watched the video. Iowa had a, a nice promo video. And, again, it showed Patrick McCaffrey, and I'm telling you, he's as big as I've ever seen him. I mean, yeah, he, he, look- he really looks like his diet's coming together and the weights are working. It looks like he's making nice. a lot of progress. Well, when he came in, he looked like a boy, and now he looks like a man. Yeah, that's a good way to way to put it. And it's just been a struggle. I mean, we had Margaret on. Mm-hmm. She talked about his diet and the med- you know, the medicine he's had to take. It's made it hard for him to sustain weight and to stay hungry. But, man, you can see it. You can really see him. You can start to see some definition in his upper body. And He's an easy guy to overlook with all the other returning players, but you've got a six foot nine small forward who can score in a variety of ways, and there's not going to be a, hardly any pressure on him to have to carry anything. Right. Just go in and see if you're hot tonight, and I think that will let him play free and easy. Oh yeah. So, so I'm interested to see what he does. Well, it is going to be it's going to be a fun year. I sure hope that uh, they get to play ends well. all of their games. <laughs> yes. Hope nobody misses any games because of COVID. And that's a, probably living in a fool's paradise. Well, yeah, we need this stuff to happen because the more success we have with stuff like this, a year from now we'll have, we'll have concerts back. Yeah, we'll have so many things back that we don't have right now. And, and I mean, everyone talks about sports being gone, but you know, not having concerts and music is, to sucks. me is is equally as yeah. yeah impactful. I mean, it just sucks not being able the option of going to concerts or anything because we've been going to a lot of concerts in the last few years and they've all just been fantastic yeah and i'm sick you know that we can't can't do it right well now. and you know we had the whole summer no friday night uh, concerts on the ped mall nope. yeah um i know those aren't uh you know ex- you know extreme events or anything like that but it's just cool to hang out on a friday night and it's part of a, of a fun lifestyle it is and then you know the the festivals like the iowa arts festival and the the jazz festival i mean you get thousands down there for that and and, and it's, it sucks that we haven't been able to see them. Now, I know some of the local guys are out doing stuff, uh, uh, you know, outdoor shows where you can socially distance yourself and, and, and so forth. And some of the indoor clubs are doing stuff. But uh, um, it's just not, you know, I'm still 
like you, I'm still skittish about going to some place like that. Yeah. Hey, I, not to change Definitely. the subject, but I, I voted yesterday. Good for you. Hey. I wa- I just what walked, took you so long? I just walked <laughs> in. I just walked in and it took Great. me like five minutes. Where did you go? I, I went down to the you know the administration building right next to it. Though, okay. And they're like, Are "You on foot?" And I'm like, "Yeah," because there's cars waiting in line. I uh-huh. just parked my car at the administration. Literally just walked in, filled out my. I had to re-register because they didn't have my up address updated. So I had to fill out this form. Boom, went to my little table there, filled out my ballot. Gone. I was five minutes. Well, we did ours absentee. We've yep dropped them off at the courthouse, checked online, and. Our, our, my whole family's votes are safely in the bosom with Travis Wiper. <laughs> and then I go. just feel so bad for those people that have to wait 10, 11 hours. Okay, to and God love them for doing it. I, yeah. And, for regardless of who they're voting for, I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, just the fact exercising that exercising their democracy and that they're working that hard to exercise their. I mean, I yeah. respect them for that. Absolutely. But I'll yeah. admit, there's been times where I've been lazy and haven't voted. I mean, I just, but no, I just. I, I just said, you know, I'm going to get this all taken care of in one swoop because I got something in the mail saying that they didn't have my records run up to date. And mm-hmm. I had to, I'm like, all right, I'll fill it out. I'm just going to take it down there instead of mailing it and wait yeah. here. So I did, and boom, it was easy. Yeah, I filled out my ballot uh, over the weekend and dropped it off, I think, Tuesday morning on the way into work at like 3.45 a.m. Yeah. one of the drop boxes. Well, they make it real easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, they do, for some people. I mean, for some, uh, unfortunately, it's not easy. Yeah. Well, I hope at least in Johnson County, they, they have made it pretty easy. They have the drive-through. I just can't believe we're at a, I just can't believe still at this age that we haven't figured out a system that works better than people having to wait eleven hours in line to vote. And I think we do have a system that's just making I, it tough on people because which, they, they're trying to suppress the vote. Which, yes. is, which is unfortunate. It's I mean, ridiculous. Regardless of what party you're in, and I'm, it's just unfortunate. Well, it, it shouldn't be legal. And if the administration changes, I think that's going to change. It shouldn't be legal. No, it should not. I mean, you know, trying to take take away voting sites and you know it, the, what they did in Texas, where they tried to drop it uh, down to just one drop box per mm-hmm. um, county. Yeah, and Texas is pretty spread out. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, playing fake Dirk here. <laughs> Texas is pretty big, <laughs> but they. I think a judge overturned that. Yes, he did. So, or I guess I don't know. It was a gentleman. Well, these judge be some, could have been a lady. These yeah. are going to be some interesting. Next four or five weeks with football starting, with the election unfolding, it's going to be an interesting, interesting fall. Can we at least agree on that? I think. I uh, hope so. An unprecedented fall. Yeah. One, one way and then with basketball starting, with Iowa having one of its best teams on paper, Captain Steve's yeah. back on Monday, refreshed, galvanized, energized. <laughs> bitter. You think he'll be bitter? He'll come back bitter, tired, cranky. He'll come back and say, well, it wasn't really a vacation. No, I, no. Li- I listen to the show every day, and I still want to retire as bad as I ever have. <laughs> Is that what he'll say? No, he, he spent a lot of time. He did the same stuff he does from home, only on vacation. Yeah. What, watch TV? Uh, you know, post on his his, phone. posted stuff on social media. Uh, you know, took care of some things with our sister station. Looks for injustice on social media. Looks yep. for confrontation on social media. You don't have to look f- hard for either of those things on social media. No, oh, sure it, no, it finds you. Trust me, <laughs> it finds you. Hello, morning, guys. Hey, speaking of vacation, you know what you call an alcoholic vampire? No, Count Dracula. <laughs> Go Hawks! Go Hawks! <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the that's the first call of the second part of the show. You're not going to give him a you're not giving him a rim shot. I am not. Count Drunkula. Count Drunkula. I had no idea where he was going with that. I Count didn't Drunkula. either. It's it's good. 
Yeah. No, it's not bell ringing worthy quite, but no, but it, it's yeah, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, I just want I just want these things to work because if this stuff works, it's another step towards yep. getting back to normal. That's I. It's yeah, a, it's exactly. a gradual process. Yep. Hello. <laughs> Lonely old fake grandpa Dirk. <laughs> hey, uh, I heard Chuck Long there on earlier. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of people don't remember. He used to live in Iowa City. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. Yep. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Went on to have a pretty decent career, yeah. but uh, he's a. Well, you know, there's a lot of a lot of likeness between me and Chuck. <laughs> we uh, both grew up in Illinois, and <laughs> moved to Iowa City, and <laughs> well, we both done a lot of good things. <laughs> <laughs> and you've both been on this station. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> One of the things we've both done, is, <laughs> I, uh, I don't have time to go into everything I've accomplished, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I could if you, <laughs> if you got the time. <laughs> That's your call, Suter. Well, we got to get to the police reports, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We can't agree, though, that the real Dirk does not laugh that much, does he? He does not. No. But I like how fake Dirk has turned that into his thing. It's kind of his signature. Yeah. Well, we know who it, who it is. Right away. Yeah. yeah. No question. Okay, he doesn't introduce himself other than with that laugh. It's the uh, a sign of a, a good comic. Yes. He called himself fake Dirk. He did today introduce himself, though, as a lonely old fake crap. Oh, that's right, he did. He normally doesn't do that. Nor he does not. Now, could this be the real one? We'll find out. Hello? Hey, Pat, I've got a baseball question for you. Okay, I can't can't guarantee I have an answer, but I'll try. Mr. Hunter, Mike. I like this where they're playing the games day after day after day where they don't have to fly back and forth. I have no... I wish it it speeds the... The game up or it's fresher in your memory or something like no, that? No, I like it. As long as the pitching, the arms can hold up, I have no problem with that. No, I'm, I'm the quicker the better, I think. Yeah, you and me both. No, I'm with you on that one. All right. Thanks. Thanks. I watched a little bit of baseball. I mean, God, did Atlanta just pound the Dodgers last night? Yeah. So are I they up now? Them. Are they up 3-1 to one now? Yes. Yes, they are. How the hell are the Dodgers losing? Well, they, they've scored 11 runs in the first inning the night before. And because and, uh, they were being counted out because it was down 2 to nothing, it was 2-1, to one, and now the Braves turned around and gave them 10-2 to two yesterday. So, so we're going to have Atlanta and Tampa Bay in the World it's Series? It's very possible. It is possible. That is not going to be a ratings no. watcher at that all. That is a good good point, though. That It is good for the fan standpoint of, you know, no travel days, so the games yeah. are run after the other. But True. it does it does make the manager work a little harder thinking about his pitching staff. Uh-huh. I'm guessing baseball, if you would have asked him, would love to have had the Dodgers and the Yankees. Don't oh, you think? oh, God, yes. And in a lot of ways, on paper, you could say that could have, especially, could have happened, especially but... for the Dodgers. I mean, the Yankees, obviously, like Mace pointed out, I didn't realize that the Yankees had so much trouble beating Tampa Bay. The Dodgers, <laughs> during the regular season, though, for the last three, they beat everybody. Yeah, they're just unstoppable. Yeah, during they're... the regular season, yeah. then they get into the playoffs. And, and it's not over yet. I mean, no, it's not. A chance, but... Um... 
Uh, it just seems like their pitching doesn't live up to it in the playoffs like it does during the regular season. Yeah, is it uh, is it Kershaw the one that he's he's had problems? He has. He's had problems in the postseason. Well, they don't have Koufax and Drysdale anymore. No, they don't. You know? Although uh, Sandy's still alive and uh, he still comes to spring training every year. Does he really? Yeah. Man, he was good. Boy, he Boy. was. After, he, they, after somebody finally told him they didn't have to throw the ball at 100 miles an hour. Didn't he have arthritis in his arm? I mean, he had a lot of arm pain, too, and still yeah. was able to pitch. I mean, yeah. he, he overcame a lot of pain mm-hmm. in the arm and what have you. Well, so. yeah, he was he overthrew his, in early in his career, and finally a pitching coach pulled him aside and says, you, you don't need to throw that hard all the time. <laughs> and even when he wasn't throwing you know, that hard, he was still, and on top of his great fastball, he had a devastating curve. Yeah. Yes, he did. Unbelievable, unhittable. So, well, anything else? No, I can't believe it's already ten thirty. Um, we'll be back here tomorrow morning to break everything down. Right? Well, we got to break down the high school. Uh, yeah, uh, we're covering. We're school. doing. Fun. We're doing a tumult city high tonight, right? Right. Yes, and then uh, the winner of that game will play next Friday at West, at West high. high. Yep. So the city may be erupting in rivalry, and it'll be opening week for the Hawkeyes. That's true. A lot going on and nothing against a tumble, but, boy, I'm really hoping City High can get a win. So it could be then the next week could be battle for the boot part deux. That's right. So do you know anyone going to Purdue, Tom? No. Are they allowed? Do you think, I, don't, I don't even in? know. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, we haven't even been given word about how many media they're going to I with. thought the Big Ten was saying you can't have crowds. Well, no, but do you, I, But I'm just wondering if there's anyone that's going to go and try to t- – As part of a – you think anyone will try to do stuff like that? Probably the parents. I mean, I imagine. But if they uh, can't get into the stadium, well, you. I imagine they can. I mean, if they're family members, they'll probably have special passes. You yeah. know. So it's going to be interesting to see. Do you think there'll be any tailgating for Iowa's four home games off of? I I think some people will. There'll oh, be pri- yeah. private tailgating, don't you but think not be, in the no, not on not on university right, property. On it, but don't you think there will be some private tailgating oh, near oh, the without stadium? A doubt. Of course. <laughs> will, will you do that at all if you get an invitation? Oh, uh, probably not. Because where you guys do it, none of that stuff will. You don't think there'll be any activity there? No, because it's a university. Oh, that's lot. on university lot. Yeah. Okay, okay. Can I come over and drink scotch with you all day on Saturday? Uh, you'll miss a lot of football if you do. So you'll be done by about uh, two o'clock. You don't drink scotch during the games, do you? No, God no, no, that would be, <laughs> no scotch is uh, late night. Yeah, eight o'clock until I go to bed. That's when you say, "Hey, not so fast, liver. We still got a little work to do." That's some work to do. Hello. I got the perfect spot to tailgate. Hit me up, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> What's he referring to? It, it, Bill Ackerman has a wonderful lot. He does. He parks people in it. Would be a perfect tailgate area. Yes. And it's on, not on University property. It's his own private it's property. It's his own private property. It will be interesting to see though if there is any. I, I actually, if I didn't have to cover the game, it would be interesting to drive around just to see what's going on around the stadium during. Yeah, yeah. D- during the first home ga- during the first home game, it'll be interesting. It'll be to Northwestern. S- yeah, it'll two be. Weeks from yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there is anyone near, because I think there will be. Oh, I do too. Oh, I th- absolutely. Now the weather will have something to do with it, but I do think some people will use well, it sure they will. to try to get some sense of normalcy. So, and as long as they're not on university property, they're not breaking any. Yeah. 
So, okay, well, again, thank you to Chuck Long and Jamie Morris for looking back at the 85 game 35 years later. We that really enjoyed delightful. it. Appreciate the time. and hopefully, 35 years later. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed it, and I'm thinking they probably did. And we'll be back tomorrow morning just bigger and better. Breaking it down. Breaking everything down. <laughs> well, Saturday there's no rules. We can talk politics. We can oh, talk yeah. whatever we want. Music. I say we talk, you know, we'll talk a lot of music and politics tomorrow. How's that? Fair enough. All right. All right. Hawkfanatic.com. Check it out. It's free.